If you've ever struggled the daily grind of making and keeping track of work orders, you have to check out EasyBeasy. EasyBeasy is easy to use, easy to learn, affordable work order and time clock app with unlimited users included with every subscription. Make and edit work orders anytime, anywhere you're working, at your desk, in your truck, on the job site, even on your couch. With EasyBeasy, you can easily copy work orders to use over and over, which is great for mowing and plowing. You can also keep track of employee timesheets, contact your customers, add notes, instructions, even pictures of your jobs. EasyBeasy works on Android and Apple devices or any tablet or computer. EasyBeasy also has a wide variety of reports so you can have all the info you need for billing right from your phone. Say goodbye to paying for extra users because everyone gets unlimited users on EasyBeasy. Try EasyBeasy for free for 30 days. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up. EasyBeasy is a simple work order and time clock app for mo crews, hardscape crews, and everything in between. Start saving time and money with EasyBeasy. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up today. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, today I'm excited to bring on a special guest. His name is Brandon Glover. He's the owner of Ivy Creek Landscapes. Ivy Creek is a multi-million dollar award-winning landscape company based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Brandon has also been awarded the Charlotte's 2023 Top 30 Under 30 Award. And Brandon is also a multi-business owner. So welcome, Brandon. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So Brandon, uh, you know, you and I were chatting a few weeks ago before we had this podcast and yeah. you had a, a pretty interesting story of how you got started in the landscape industry and, and where you came from. So I'd love to have you share that with the audience. Yeah. So it was unplanned, right? It was not, you know, where I thought I was rolling, but it's, it's been a pleasure. I'm excited about it. I started off and uh, obviously, like you said, I'm here in Charlotte. So I was going to college and funny enough, I was actually heading to medical school. Right. So I was on my way to medical school and uh, towards the end of my undergrad degree, I obviously was just a kid that needed some money. And I had a buddy that was uh, he had like a side like he was landscaping kind of on the side. He had his own business kind of running. And I was like, hey, man, you mind if I kind of work with you and just and make some money. Right. And so I worked with him for a couple months, started getting an idea of like the business. And I was laid out what you could do, pricing, all that jazz. And then I had a truck. I borrowed my dad's old trailer bought a still farm boss chainsaw post on next door. And here we are today, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. How you kind of just started out and from nothing and, and kind of went up to everything. That's awesome. And then was it a difficult change or dis- decision, I should say, to go from, you know, the medical field to, to landscaping? Yes. Yeah, so great question. So when I was going into med school, my plan was I'm very blessed to have such great friends here in the Charlotte area. And I just happen to love the city as well. So I was taking about a year to maximum two years off before I was actually going to medical school. 
And so during that time, I was like, hey, well, I know I can make some money. Let me have this landscape company running. And to me, it was just, it was going to just bridge a gap, right? And so I was just, you know, starting to see, hey, think about, you know, residency and, and kind of that path down with the medical fields. And also not really liking kind of where the medical field was going, right? I wasn't kind of a fan of what I was seeing, yada, yada. That's a whole different story. And then thinking about still, you know, working for somebody else, still being, you know, a slave to the medical industry. And I was like, man, like at that certain point in time, I, I had somebody hop on that I could start to trust and things started to kind of roll. And I was just like, man, like it just my eyes opened. So it was like, hey, man, you can actually like this is actually a thing. Like this is actually a company that you can grow and turn into something. And it just like the love for the industry just started to kind of come in and then the business. And it just, it kind of quickly just transferred over to where it was like the medical field was on the back of my mind. Nice. Were your parents pretty supportive of that? And, and you know, were you transitioning over or was that a difficult conversation to have with them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm very blessed. I have such a great support system. Both my, my mom and my dad and my support system, my family are you know, they're behind me 100%. Um, so my dad, actually, I was blessed enough to where he helped me out after, you know, things started getting rolling. I started getting some money in and showing that it was like a proven concept. He helped me out um, with assisting some of the first larger quote unquote purchases, like getting a, a right stand on was one of the first things that I got. And so he actually helped kind of throw some money into me and I was very blessed that way. So he definitely was supportive because he kind of helped me get rolling. Um, again, it was still at that point, not a thing of like, hey, this is going to be a full time like business this is going to be a company growth. But at the end of the day, my dad's a function. He's a mechanical engineer. So he's like, hey, I, you know, you can see the money rolling in. It's a thing. You got people hired. It's rolling. So, yeah, I mean, hell, if you want to grow it, do it. Do your thing. Um, and my mom would just run to me to the end of the earth just because I'm running. So um, it was I'm very blessed that way. That's awesome to have supportive parents like that. Yeah, I'm very thankful. And to transition from the medical field, I, like. My parents be like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say that, you know, you kind of hear that story a lot, right? Someone's like, yeah, I'm going to, to be a lawyer. And then all of a sudden, you know, I just really loved electrical work. I turned into an electrician. Their parents yeah. like, man, what are you doing? Like, you got to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm thankful not to have had that. It just, it flowed naturally for me. Awesome. So you mind sharing a little bit of like what types of services Ivy Creek provides and, you know, who's it for? Residential, commercial, what do you do? Yeah, so services wise, we... Do residential and commercial design and installation, like construction. So obviously pools, softscapes, pavers, concrete, pergolas, like structures. I'll say that probably between the two commercial and residential, we probably do 90% of it's residential. So majority of our work is residential, but we also do have another branch that is maintenance. It is purely commercial. We only do 12-year minimum commercial contracts. So to answer your question from a backed up version, we do, again, design, build, residential com and commercial, and then commercial maintenance. That's You said 12-year contracts, huh? Sorry, 12 months. Okay. Did I say 12 years? Yeah. It's like, wow. That's, oh, wow. <laughs> that's a luck. That would have been something big, man. I've never heard of that. <laughs> but if you're going to do it, you might as well do it big, Scott. <laughs> so I was like, we're going to dive into that a little bit more here if you're doing 12-year contracts. <laughs> <laughs> 12 months. 12 months. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. I love hearing that. And that's, that seems like a lot of people get into that, that as far as the commercial and then do the residential. That's exactly what we did in our business. And I, I think that was like, for us, it was the right choice. And I, I love hearing that's what you're doing as well. Yeah, for sure. When you, you first started your business and, and actually even now, what were some of the challenges you faced, especially early on? And, and how did you kind of overcome those? <sighs> challenges that I faced early on, probably same as most people is finding good people, mm -hmm. right? 
the ones that not just not just people that do work and they're out there. Like I, I know obviously it's it can be tough, but there's good people out there. So I don't want I try to fight the normalcy of the people being kind of negative behind that. I do think that you can find great people and they are there. But again, upfront for me, it was it was truly getting that person that I could actually trust, right? That I know cared about detail, cared about doing a good job and was honest. So that was the upfront problem for me. I think fortunately marketing and getting myself out there and kind of getting involved was, has never really been a struggle for me. So it, it was just mainly operation side, getting the right people. Do you have any uh, issues that you're facing nowadays that still still bugging you or that you're trying to overcome now? Is it the same? Um, you know, with business, man, there's always going to be things in front of you. Things There's always going to be things in your way. I'd say right now, we're getting to that point in scale to where we got to become more creative with how we get our brand and our name out there. And so I've had to kind of open my eyes to other aspects of how we can business develop. Because, you know, we were starting to like max out on like all the leads and stuff we had coming in from the routes that we were doing it especially coming into winter time because it is what is December 3rd right now. And so I was like, with that kind of starting to flatline, but also go into the winter time, obviously everyone knows in this industry, it kind of decreases in that winter time. I was like, Hey, like what if you could flip them, flip the script and actually grow during an off season rather than decline. Right. So that's kind of what is in front of me right now is trying to find all sources and avenues in which we can get the name and the brand out there to hopefully grow during what most people typically, you know, time where most people recess. Yeah. And so that's what's in front of me literally right now as we speak. I love how you're thinking different, just kind of like you said, flipping the script. That's important to do because I think many people get stuck in this industry, especially like not everybody, but a lot of the older crowd. I know my dad did the same thing. He gets stuck and is doing the same thing over and over. And that's just the way it is. That's just how it is in this industry. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't, man. I think that in this industry... You know, some people might like me or or dislike me for saying it, but, you know, you have a lot of tradesmen in the business rather than businessmen in this trade. And so if you truly can be one of those tradesmen that also has the business aspect, you're already a leg ahead of a lot of people in this industry. And so a lot of that being business minded is you do got to be open to different thoughts and ideas and concepts. One thing I see is that we as a whole in the green industry, we're kind of behind the times in a lot of things as far as if you start looking at like other contractors out there, the HVACs and all these other uh, trades that are out there. I feel like we're behind on even the technology and that's how we approach things. And I, I, that's why I love seeing your fresh approach to different things here. I 100% agree with you. So when our, we first start talking, I know you mentioned that you, you love doing sales. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to kind of touch a little bit about that and, you know, hear what your sales philosophy is and like how you approach sales differently than the other industries, other competitors out there. Yeah. The biggest key I can tell anybody in sales is follow up. <laughs> the biggest key is following up, man. I think that most sales statistically are made between like the seventh and ninth contact or something like that. Don't quote me to that. I know it's that's not identical, but you got to talk to that person a good amount of times to connect with them. So I think one of the number one most important things that I would recommend to anybody would be follow up. Don't just make first contact, go out and see them, you know, in the field, send them a quote, be like, hey, just hit me up. Let me know if you got any questions and disappear because they will most likely find somebody else. It will be the person knocking on their door continually that will get their business. Um, and so to me, following up is huge. Now, when you're following up, are you getting on the phone, you going out there visiting them, you just texting them? How do you typically go about that or, or depends? Call, email and text. 
Call, email, and text. Uh, I don't keep one specific. You got to learn every client's different. Some people respond better by email, some better by phone, some better by, you know, text messaging. And so using a combination, right, it's literally, this is a trade. So you're only as good as the tools that you have in your tool belt. And so if you just use phone call, you just always call the person that you're just using one tool, right? No one job typically takes just one tool. Um, and so use as many tools as you have. And to me, text, email, and phone call, using all of those and in a variety of different ways so you find out what works best for that person. Do you mind me asking, do you use any kind of particular like CRM software to help you keep track with all these customers or do you just do it all? Yes. Own calendar. What do you use? Salesforce. Okay. Awesome. Salesforce. Yeah. We used to use that. Yeah. We use Salesforce. We've gone through, man, I could talk about CRMs all day, man. We've gone through, (laughs) we've gone through a lot, all have their pros and their cons, right? Um, There's not one software that is perfect. For example, we have Salesforce for our sales We have LMN for our estimating and we have Builder Trend for our residential design build projects for project management. Nice. And so we have a three system set up right now because it's just they transfer off as far as like department basically. And so we just wanted to be department specific. What's best for each department? Because obviously the operations shouldn't have to go into the sales. So you don't necessarily need to keep it underneath one roof, one system. If you could, it's cheaper. I'll tell you that. I mean, we pay a monthly fee for every single one of those damn things. So I don't know if I can curse or not on this. No, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I think it's something, again, to me, that's part of the technology. People, they don't really use a CRM properly. And I, I love hearing that you use Salesforce or something specifically for CRM. Yes. I think some people just rely on one piece of software. I'm not knocking any software out there, but yeah. some of those aren't really good at, as a CRM. They're, they'd hold the client's information, but to allow you to follow up and keep track of those follow-ups and remind you to follow up, I think that's the importance of having like something like Salesforce. Yeah. And there's a million of them, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be a green industry software. So don't make that mistake. Uh, it doesn't have to be a green industry software for you to get in there and do what's best for you. Because you know, Salesforce works perfectly for my team, but you may not like it. It might not work perfect for your people. So just find what works best for you. One thing too, I was curious, you know, with you following up, do you think part of that is the building that relationship, building that trust goes along with that? Or is that just something that you just have to do? Like, just kind of like to hear you're going a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. I mean, people are going to spend the money in who they trust, right? If they don't trust you, they're not going to give you money. So you have to be a trustworthy individual and you can gain that trust over many different avenues. I think that I'd rather be the guy that's knocking on the door too much rather than the guy that didn't get the deal because I never knocked on the door. But, you know, I think when you bring up the aspect of trust, right, I think it's just to me, it's a sense of how you're coming to any sort of meeting or phone call genuinely. Like, are you are you coming just to sell them something? Or are you coming to help them with the issue that they have. Right. Mm -hmm. And in our industry, it's not typically, unless it's like a drainage problem, it's never typically like an issue. The issue would more be like, Hey, they have a large size family and they have a 10 by 12 concrete patio. So obviously that's not big enough. They need something bigger. That's their issue. So we're coming to solve that for them. And so how you come to somebody when it comes to sales is to me, how you can gain trust. Yeah. Now I I know too, when we spoke last, you, you mentioned your, you know, your website, and I think you said you're going to have it updated soon or you did update it. I'm not sure, but yeah. how important was that in your sales process? So website's important, man. Website's so important. It's crazy. I mean, it's how people are going to find you. It's whether people are going to find you. It's your first impression, 
like first impressions are so important, right? And most people are probably going to find you off of Google. And so number one, if you don't have a good website, you're not going to come up to the top of SEO. So they're not going to find you. And number two, even if they do, if it's not a good website, they're going to look at it and they're going to just exit out of it because they didn't like it. So you're never going to get the call from that. So having a really good website to me is absolutely vital. I mean, when you're first starting, just having a website, just get a website up, get it rolling. But once you got the time or the money to either get someone to do it or do it yourself and spend some time to research how to build it properly and do it, highly recommend it. You're going to need to do it if you actually want to grow. One thing I did like about your website is that you incorporate a lot of videos. You had videos like even on your homepage, you had video testimonials from your customers. How important was the video aspect to be on there? And and have you found that helpful? This is a visual game, right, Scott? You know it all day, day in, day out. It's a visual game. If they could see, like if they're like someone came to me, I mean, we all know that bread and butter, that paper patty with the fire pit and the seating wall, right? If you're doing residential builds or something like that. And so if they're thinking like, yeah, this is kind of what I'm thinking of seeing. If you could pull out a video, like, hey, again, building trust. This is something we did for another client. And this is exactly kind of what you're talking about. Take a look at this. And it hits exactly what they're looking for. They can visually see it. They're going to be so much more bought into it. And obviously, again, if it was your video, they're going to start building trust because they see that you built something that they wanted and another client trusted you to do that and you had a successful transaction. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, video is super key. The other thing, too, I think is awesome that you have on just the video portion of it is the use of like even having seating on there and having plants and pots and, and stuff around the fire pit or on the you know patio and stuff. I think that was huge. And even showing some of your, your employees, I think that's helpful too, because they could see, yeah. oh, that's what they look like when they're on the job site. I think that that was awesome. Yeah, I will, I'll agree with you as well. I'm glad that you're seeing them. I mean, you're seeing all the things that definitely um, people should be listening to, right? I think that you see the mistake made most often. Obviously, if you get pictures, get pictures, right? But at the end of the day, people want to see the final product I've made this mistake, right? To where it's the final product isn't just when you leave and it's a fresh paper patio and it's in a seating wall or a pergola or whatever. They then have to go get the things to make it nice to what they're actually going to want to hang out on and be livable with. So if you could actually show them the real, the actual finished product, that's going to make them that much more excited because that's what they actually want is the livable patio, not just the patio. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to me, that's helpful when you can have the seating around there and show them like, this is a fire pit and this is whatever, 15 foot around or whatever it is. Yeah. And this incorporates the seats. I, I see so many people, they'll build this fire pit and this little dinky patio around it and nobody can get a chair in there or you're sitting on a little stump or something like it's <laughs> kind of silly. So having the ability to show the customer like, hey, this is with this type of chair around here. You have all this room, like, look, and this is how big it is. And then they can relate to them like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or a table, you know, a certain size, you can get people walking around behind you, not falling off, you know, all those little things that are important. Yeah. It's another sales tool. Exactly. To your point, it's another major, major sales tool. And it's tied to you rather than just, you know, sending them a Google image or sending them to Tegglebox website, you know, it's your project, you did it, showing your professionalism and being able to kind of show them a real world sample of kind of what they're looking for. Is there anything else that you use to to help get customers? Are you out networking? What what else do you use besides your website and Google? Yeah, so Google is number one. Outside of that, obviously customer referral. So doing a good job, you know, actually showing up and giving this level of service that you're saying that you're going to provide, not just telling them you're going to do it. That is everything. Um, and the customer referrals are huge. So they can like go to their neighborhood Facebook page, they can go to their friends, they can say something, they can write a review. So I think referrals, it's to me, it's Google, it's referrals. Um, Outside of that, 
we do social media marketing, right? So we do Facebook, we do Instagram, and that's paid and non-paid. Outside of that, we do have sales, right? So we do have some sales people there. I think we have about technically two people that are in sales and estimation right now in the department of sales, and they go to networking events, right? So they'll go to meet people, get outside, just kind of get involved and active in the community. And on top of that, just staying in touch with vendors, right? Because obviously a lot of time they'll get residential people come to your yards. And if you know, you're know you actually someone that they like and can literally recommend and going to do a good job, then they will send some people your way. So those are all you know a bunch of different ways in which that we get our leads from. I love that. I love that you have your team out there, the sales team out there networking. To me, that was so important. And I learned that early on from a mentor a long time ago, get out there and network. And mm-hmm. from what I recall, he gave each person so much money a month, I don't remember what it is, to go to these events and bring drinks and cookies or whatever it is and just to, mm-hmm. just to get out there and take people to dinner because it was so important to build that relationship and to be able to keep those customers that you, you know, work so hard to get. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this Wednesday, we have, quote unquote, we're hosting a lunch and learn with a local property management company for a commercial maintenance side. So they actually... We got an HOA reached out to us because we were recommended to them through one of the property managers within that firm. And so I just reached out to say, hey, again, be a genuine person. Tell people if they recommend you, tell them thank you. That's another big thing. Actually go and and be thankful for these things because I think that what you put out in the world is definitely going to come back. So don't always just be a take guy. You got to also give too. So again, tell them thank you. And then I said, hey, is there any way that we could like you know, come, like I have Starbucks gift cards. So I was like, I just wanted to come in and give her a gift card. I was like, is there any way that we can connect with everybody else too that's involved in your company? So today, well, you know, sometimes we have vendors come in and host like lunch and learns or whatever. I was like, okay, great. I connect them with one of our salespeople and say like, hey, let's just go in. Let's have a lunch and learn. And that's actually this Wednesday. Awesome. So we're just going to bring in, I think it's Jason's Deli and come in. I think they have like 10 or so managers in there and just sit there and just talk, man. Just mm-hmm. create good connections. I'm not going there to sell them anything. I'm just going there to connect. So hopefully at some point down the road, when they're thinking landscaping, they think of me, right? I love it. <laughs> it's awesome to hear somebody that has a, the uh, different approach than what's been done in the past. So I, I, I love hearing this. This is awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I've, <laughs> shooting out the hip, figuring out as we go, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people do. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what you got to do. You got to be adaptive for sure. The other thing I thought you do really cool is, is you said you sub out a lot of different things. You mind sharing a little bit of stuff that you do sub out and what you do to find those subs and mm-hmm. keep them? Yeah, I think that there's pros and cons to both in-house and subbed out crews. Like some people you probably ask are going to have an absolutely horrific experience subbing their workout. And you're going to sometimes you're going to call it and talk to some business owners. and be like, yeah, I absolutely hate having in-house employees. Right. So it depends on who you talk to. You're already aware of that, right, Scott? Yep. Um, everyone has their own story and their own thoughts. But for us, we have both. We do both. So we have in-house and we also do subcontract. I personally do love the subcontract model. I'm a big fan of it. I have noticed that it is a lot harder to bring people in, train them and keep them um, and work with them rather than finding great subs and continue to foster a relationship with them for whatever they specialize in. But most subs won't do everything that's needed on a project. So again, that's where it goes to where you really should start off and at least have in-house people so they can do those punchless items in between subs. So that's kind of where I sit, if that answers your question. What types of work do you sub out typically? So mostly the hardscapes, our pavers, our concrete. We've had trouble finding great carpenters actually over here. 
Um, we would sub out a lot of our carpentry and whatnot, but we've had a little bit of trouble finding great carpenters. So sometimes we'll, we will build stuff in house when it comes to decks or stairs or whatever, but mostly just specific hardscape stuff. So like the pavers, the retaining walls, the concrete, those sort of specific items. We'll have teams that literally just mainly do, they specialize at one or like just a few of them. And we have them do those specific items. So we may have on one project have four to six different subs to kind of finish one whole project. So it's a little bit of a mix. Was there a process that you vetted these subs through or did you just, you know, through networking, meet them and then try them out? How did you go about that? Yeah, so we will get some subs recommended uh, to us from time to time or just kind of hearing them through other people in the industry or just honestly, like we met right now, uh, we have one of our tree people. We don't like do tree work in-house. So our tree sub, my operations manager just ran into him at a gas station, <laughs> right? Just saw that he had like some tree, you know, it's just him and his wife and like maybe one or two other guys, right? So just, you know, they're obviously not marketing heavy. They need people like us, you know, to kind of connect them and give them work. And so just met with them, connected with them, found that they were great people and just started them off on something simple, right? Like don't give them the $30,000 sub project off the bat, start them off if it's trees or like, you know, one side that needs, you know, one or two medium sized trees or something need to be taken down, like not a lot of risk in it and just step it up from there. That's typically what we do. So you can find them, just keep your eyes open and you'll find good people. Did you find when you started having these subs that they kind of help push sales towards you and you can help push sales towards them there, you know, back and forth, is that kind of work for you guys doing that way? Mostly we don't get quote unquote recommendations through our subs. Okay. Most of our subs truly are like small level type companies to where they're mostly doing their work for other contractors. They're not really doing a lot of their own work. So they're not meeting a lot of their own residential clients in which they run into something that they can't do sort of deal. So they'd recommend it to us. We have gotten people that have recommended us to other clients, but those are typically like the medium, at least level kind of businesses and higher. And so, yeah, we, we have gotten recommendations, but for the most part, we don't get a lot of leads through subs. Okay. It's a good question though. We, in our business, like we subbed out our lighting, we subbed out our fertilization and our, our irrigation work. We subbed all those out. And it kind of worked out for us, especially with our lighting people, like they would recommend us for like water features and stuff like that and hardscapes. And we'd recommend them for lighting to come in and, and you know, light up the projects and whatever. Yeah. And that kind of worked out. We fed, fed each other work, which, which was nice. Yeah. That's awesome. We also back, I mean, this is a while ago, we used to do a lot of home shows. We had a huge home show and it was like 2000 some square feet. And we partnered up with these subcontractors and we each did a portion of it. And, you know, they did the lighting throughout and, you know, we do our hardscapes and we just had our names spread out and it worked out really well that way too. I'm a fan of the subcontractors. I, I really like that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Talk me through that. What exactly would that look like? You said you was a home show. Give me a little more detail on that. So we used to do like home shows used to be kind of big around this area. They kind of dwindled out now, but we had this home show at a, a local fairgrounds and it was actually a pond. I'm trying to remember what exactly it was called. It was a pond society garden show they had mm -hmm. and um it brought in a few thousand people throughout the weekend and wow so we we had like a whole wing it was us we partnered up with ourselves our lighting people we partnered up with a hardscape supply store we've partnered up with a like marble top store we changed it every year we did it for like four years like this but you know we had a outdoor kitchen area with a pergola so we'd partner up with people to bring in the custom-made marble top and the pergolas and all that stuff and everybody kind of did a section 
And we go in there and build this amazing like display and everything. It, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money put into it, oh, but it was like a big marketing thing for us. Yeah. But everybody kind of had their signs and they were like, we made like, we spend months, we'd send like six months Ooh. designing this whole project with walkthroughs and everything. Wow. But it was really cool. And a lot of people came there just to see us because they put us right in the front where everybody had to go in and out, which is awesome for us. Yeah. And it really helped us over time build up people and get clients that way. And I, I really enjoyed it having the subcontractors, that portion of it. That is super cool, man. Yeah, I like that. I think we actually, funny enough, we're going to one of our first big expo events. Um, then we're going to actually have a, a table and like a setup at. Nice. Um, and that's coming in February. We've done small ones here and there, but this is actually going to be one of the first, like the first biggest, like, local North Carolina, like held in Charlotte type events. Nice. And so I'm, I'm super stoked about that. You got to know, Scott, the biggest question I want to ask is, do you know how much you guys spent on that? Oh, it was probably close to, it varied, but it was anywhere between ten dollars to $20,000, depending on yeah. the year. So yeah, it was it was a big money. Yeah. Because we only had like four days to set it up. So we'd like during rainy days, we'd build, like pre-build, like we had front of like houses, we've had pergolas and stuff. So we kind of pre-build it in the shop label it all that way we get there and just everybody goes there to town and like we'd be there from sun up to sundown as long as they let us in that building to to do it yeah we were fortunate too the the building it was in was big enough they can drive skidsters and stuff in so it made it easy oh nice we learned to cheat with some things like we'd bring in sand to make it easy to dig or we bring in bags of mulch to pile up and pallets to like give different elevations we have trees up higher and lower and stuff so we learned a few things doing that so that made it a little bit easier that's super cool, man. I would have loved, I don't know if you have a picture, but sometime I would love to see if you have a picture of that setup. Yeah, I'll send you a couple of different ones. Yeah, we've had like, we had a huge waterfall. I mean, huge, as big as it could be in that building, but it was like a five, six foot tall waterfall that came down. And it was like, I don't remember, eight feet wide. It was really cool. We had a fire pit in there. Yeah, They let us have fire in there one time around the water. Cause I was like, well, if we keep it contained in the water, so they let us do it. It had a little bitty flame on there. And after that thing, <laughs> no more fires in there. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that was just propane. You had to hook that propane. Yeah. Yeah. And then did they do it like, like electrical drop for you guys or were you guys near a wall for the water pump? There was actually a couple different um, outlets throughout and we just had, you know, extension cords kind of buried. It was, I mean, obviously it's not what we're doing on the job site, but it was just enough to yeah. kind of get it through. But yeah, we made it as easy as possible, like pre-built it and like use the aqua blocks to kind of make up space and stuff. But yeah, we had ponds and waterfalls and paths and kids areas, kitchen areas. So we had like a whole display, which is, it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a stressful time doing all that, trying to get it done, <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we are just now more recently have been started getting getting into that. And so I'm excited to dive into that and see what that adds for sure. But that's cool to hear, man, because I've seen I've seen some people go hard on that before. Yeah. Did that provide a good return for you guys? It did. It did. It really helped us get some of the bigger projects because they can see like we could do the full gamut. You know, we could build you your outdoor kitchen. We could have a waterfall and, you know, whatever. So it, it really helped us. and it, it really made us stand out because that one was, like I said, it was more of a pond and koi show. Yeah. So we, we'd build uh, these amazing looking waterfalls and then you have the other companies that are there and have like these little bitty dinky things and like, ah, so we get a lot of people to us. So yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you guys <laughs> stand out. You guys are like the big man on campus. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing too, we learned, we brought in some like logs, 10 foot round, two foot diameter logs and had that as walls just to kind of bury stuff. That made us, that was a little cheat too, that make it quick and easy to fill in with dirt or trees to hide the balls and everything. Cause we tried like to hide everything, make it look, 
know, like it's been there. So mm-hmm. that's one little thing if you have to do too, <laughs> or big rocks. You've got to send me some photos of that, man. Yeah. I would love to see how you set that up. It was a long week, but yeah, it's cool. And I, I enjoyed it, like I said, and it did it did give us a return. But they started to like dwindle out the last couple of years. Like I don't know, they weren't marketing as much mm. and the attendance started dropping. So we didn't we just pulled out of it because it wasn't at that point it wasn't worth it. We weren't getting the return on it. But for a while when it was going, it was good. Did you have any we had this one random email, so something to watch out for anybody who's listening that like we had these people, I guess we're kind of like trailing along that we're trying to sell us like the contact list or something to this show. So did you have that same experience, right? And then I just send it, I took it and I forwarded it over to our contact for the show. I was like, hey, do you know anything about it? So they were like, yeah, that is just 100% a scam. Like don't even respond. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah, it can be. We were fortunate enough to like, we knew the people that ran the shows. So we'd get the contacts from them. Yeah. Even years ago, we at for our millionaire landscaper, we went to GIE after that because we had a display there and uh, our booth there, I should say. And we got reached out for, I don't even, I think I'm still getting today. I'll get emails. Hey, you want to buy the list from like 2020 <laughs> or whatever it was when we were down there? Like, yeah, it's kind of weird now, but <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's a little late on that one. And obviously <laughs> yeah. something's weird about it. So that's a big negative for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely got to be on the watch for that. That's a, that's a good point. Good point. So I'd like to hear too, What's your thoughts on, you know, even yourself or the landscape industry? What do you kind of predict or see in the future of things to change? And even just like I said, your own business. Oh, man. Industry for me is tough to say, man. It's tough. I think right now, more recently, it's been kind of relatively cruising. Um, You know, obviously, it's a little different with what's going on, like East Coast to West Coast, like small differences, right? Like, give you an example, East Coast, we're, we're finally starting to get more artificial turf, right? Which I heard is super heavy on the West Coast. You know, I'm curious to see where, if Ecoscapes really pick up heavier in this future, I'm curious to see if that kind of rides up a little bit more. That's something unique that I'm going to pay attention to the industry. But man, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not really looking deep in the industry. I can definitely answer you more specifically when it comes to my business. I'm very tunnel focused on what's going on while still trying to be listening. Because if you can, obviously, like you're saying, it's good to know if there's something coming up that you can get ahead on or jump on, right? But for our business, man, it's just foot down, gas pedal, hammer down as fast as we possibly can. 2023 was an internal growth year. I'll tell you, I'll I'll do a shout out kind of a little bit for us realistically on so we started 2018, so we've been open for about six years. And so I'll say to about 2023, every year beforehand, we've grown 187% year over year. Awesome. This year, we've gotten to the point where we're kind of getting so large that it's really hard to keep that growth scale. You know what I mean? But this year, going back to internal growth, we really started to get down our systems and our operations. So we had to really look within and say, hey, how?" because we're starting to get more and more and more people. So obviously we have to start organizing things more, creating more processes, getting better systems. And so obviously those don't directly bring you money, right? So, and then learning, hey, how can we get more creative on our marketing, get a little better on our marketing? And that stuff obviously takes time to start picking up. So we've been putting a lot of internal work in this year. So come 2024, we hope that that starts dropping down um, and blowing up. You know, we'll see what happens as far as the economy goes. You know, I think obviously with the Fed kind of maybe dropping down some rates, hopefully 2024, hopefully things start kind of popping back up. Right. But I'm definitely not going to let that hold us back. I think during times where most people recess, it provides openings in the market. And so in my mind, I think I like to look at it as a positive to where, hey, some people are going to pull back. Some companies are going to die out, which leaves what? It leaves openings. 
So take advantage of that if you can fight through it. But, you know, we're probably going to focus a little more in growing. We're not going to put as much time and effort into our commercial design installation. We're going to shift more of that effort back into residential and then take a lot of that effort and move that actually into the commercial maintenance. And so Mm -hmm. 2024 and on in the future years, I look to really grow our maintenance heavy while also getting just like everybody else on the install side into those bigger and bigger, more niche, higher end residential installation type projects. So that's kind of where we're at and where I see the next like one to three years, kind of what we're focusing on. Nice. Did you mention too that you were looking to get into more pools and stuff too? Or is that, or is that something you're already doing? No, 100%. So we just started on those more kind of recently. So I'm really excited to add that into our arsenal of services, right? Because obviously that's what's bigger ticket for a landscaper than a pool, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so obviously if someone's going to get a pool, you're not for the most part, just going to drop a pool in like, you're going to have to have decking. You're probably going to have some form of like kitchen or pergola or maybe a pool house or whatever. So super stoked to get into that because I think that obviously is for the most part, you see pools and the craziest outdoor living spaces. So that is something that I'm definitely excited to get more and more into and market that more and more. Cause again, it's going to go back into what I was saying of diving deeper into the higher end residential projects. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I would think if they can typically afford a pool in ground pool and all that stuff that goes into it, they're, 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 they're going to be the clients you want to get into because they're going to have the money to, to do that and make the decisions to, to purchase things and yeah. maintain those things. You got to have money to do a pool. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Pools aren't cheap, man. Pools definitely aren't cheap. And we've looked at plunge pools, fiberglass pools, custom concrete pools. And so we're going to provide, we're going to install, we do, we install all of them. I already have great connections with them all and have started on a couple here and there and just, you know, we'll see where it goes. We'll see if we continue to do all three of those um, or if we kind of switch off and just focus on custom or something like that. Again, we want to be more high end. So you're going to get more custom rather than fiberglass for sure. Fiberglass is just the cheaper option of a pool. So we tend to lean away from anything cheap, cheap for lack of a better term, right? Still not cheap. Yeah. (laughs) Don't want to hate on people with a fiberglass pool. You know what I'm saying? I don't even have a pool. So, hey, you got a pool. Don't feel (laughs) hated on. No. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that for those reasons. Awesome. Is there any particular reason you're trying to shift to that because the way the, way the economy is or just something that you wanted to get into? Just kind of curious. <sighs> just really wanted to get into it, man. Okay. I always want to go bigger and bigger and bigger ticket, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, some you get you know more and more risk and more and more risk. The bigger ticket you get, I get it. It is what it is. But I'll, I'll still remember my first, like it was like $10,000 project, my first five-figure one. That I was like freaking out internally, like inside, man, I haven't done anything more than maybe like 15 or like 1800 bucks. And all of a sudden I get this like almost $11,000 projects. And I'm like, oh, dude, like, I don't know, man. Like, what if things go wrong and I got to rip it all up and redo it? And, you know, I just, I sucked it up and obviously just did it, took the risk and it, it worked out very well. And then obviously it was the stepping stone to kind of get into the five figures and then you know, eventually you land that six figure and then you jump in that six figure and then you kind of step it up from that and become more and more comfortable. But I don't know, man, it's a fun process. Was there anything as far as like the logistics sides and, and, and just the project management that kind of stood out to you that you had to change when you kind of shifted from that, you know, even that $11,000 and up, mm-hmm. was there anything that you kind of did and it had to shift your mindset on? You've got, you really want to have especially if you have people doing operations, I'm very super blessed with having such a great operations manager who's still like his project manager for us. And he's a friend of mine and he's, and he's killer. Right. And so he's just, sometimes I'll literally just have a quick like back in the day. I would just have a quote 
And then I was like, hey, man, here's the quote. Here's like some pictures of like kind of the backyard of what's going on. And he can go out there and he basically figure it out. Right. Um, we just had a great connection. But obviously, if you want to grow, you can't rely on that. So, man, having like sales processes, which we train up front now, having a really good having as much detail as you can when transferring over to operations is key. And so having pictures of the backyard, like how does it look now? Where are the project going to go? Having a design. If you can have a really nice, like squared away, laid out design, that is everything. So have a good design, have a clear laid out quote, and then keep it all together in a folder for one place for, you know, your project manager to see and get connected with it. Or obviously making sure you guys are linked up. So if there's any questions, it's all in one place. That's been super key for us, which is why we kind of linked in and started using Builder Trend. We're still onboarding it. You know, again, there's a there's a million different others. There's there's other great platforms for it, but we just chose Builder Trend. It's that place to where we can keep designs, keep notes in there, uh, keep sub notes in there, keep upsell potentials in there. You know, put pictures, do updates, all that stuff. So it's one central system of all the information someone could have to do their job successfully. I love that. I love it. If you kind of look at it, it's like we're, we're data collectors. That's what we do. And and, and it's mm-hmm. all about collecting the data for the customer and, and for our team members. You you have to, and you have to have some kind of software, like you mentioned, the build a trend to keep it organized and, and to flow properly. And I, I love that. And I'm glad to hear that it's working out well for you. Yeah. If you're selling stuff and you got other people install it, document as much as you can, right? Please just get a good, get a good design. And like, obviously designs are always like our designs are still somewhat off with our measurements and whatnot. We have a designer and you know, not everybody's perfect. Um, yep. So having someone that's also can follow a design, follow a plan, but still be a critical thinker to make adjustments where need be when things aren't perfect is key. So if you've, you're looking for someone on operations, make sure someone has agility to them for lack of a better term. Um, is key. But again, yeah, keeping as much documented detail as you can to hand off to give them hopefully more information than they need is everything. Brandon, this, this has been an awesome conversation. Was there anything that you wanted to to add or to help inspire the landscapers out there? Oh, man, I remember there's some few times when I was back still doing this and it was me and I was like hiring one off guys and still getting people in. And I had someone like I feel like they, they started passing out like drug drug usage in my passenger seat. Like I had, I've been through it, you know what I'm saying? And I've had those moments where I woke up and I was working out there and then having those issues to where I was like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Right. And I had those times where I was like, dude, I just, I want to get out. I can't do this, can't do this. But just reminding myself that the reasons why you're doing it, the vision of where it could go, staying disciplined to it. I'm saying open-minded to be creative, to drive out of those places, to continue down a goal like you have that poster, all things are difficult before they are easy. That is 100% true. It is always dark before the dawn. So when you're going through those hard times, you know, just realize that as long as you push through them, I can almost guarantee that good things are going to come out on the other side. So just keep pushing. Man. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. So Brandon, if anybody wants to reach out to you or find out a little bit more about you, how can they do that? Yeah. So my Instagram is a great way to connect with me. It is Brandon underscore Glover. And the O is a zero. You can connect with me through there. Um, obviously, companies, Ivy Creek Landscapes, if you reach out to them, you'll get our office admin. You won't find me. But, you know, you can find me Facebook, on Instagram to the tag I just said. I'm also on LinkedIn. Again, just type my name, Brandon Glover. I'm sure I'll pop up. Reach out to me if you got any questions. I'm, I'm always here to help. Scott, obviously, from us talking, I know that you provide training for people. So he's a great resource, too, if you're looking for something like that. Um, but, yeah, you can find me. I'm there. I'm happy to talk with anybody. Do whatever I can to help everybody. 
Awesome. Great stuff, Brandon. I definitely appreciate you being on the show and look forward to, uh, you know, chatting with you and keeping in touch and seeing how we can help each other. And I'll definitely get you those pictures for the, the home shows we did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really had a great time, Scott. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you, sir. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Have a great one. You too. That's a wrap on another exciting episode here of the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, thank you for joining us on this journey and thank you for being a member of our community. Remember our motto, do it dirty means just get started and not be afraid of making mistakes. We honestly believe this is one of the keys to the success in this industry and in life. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment, head over to Apple and leave us a review. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring even more value to the show. Until next time, keep doing it dirty and grow your business to new heights.